This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Sometimes that moment at the end of communion is such a reverent moment. I, I just hate to come out and interrupt it, but um, I trust you've had a great time with God already this morning. It's been a good morning, huh? Yes, it has. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a great morning. We have, you know, it's not every Sunday you come to church and you have 35 missionaries coming that day. We have 35 people just returned from two different trips into Mexico. And uh, I don't know how many of you are at this service, but if you were on one of those Mexico trips, would you stand, please? We got anybody here? There you go. Welcome back. Welcome back. All fingers, all hands, toes, everything in place. That's a good thing when you're going down to build houses. It's always good to come home with all the fingers you're left with. So uh, welcome back. Um, It's part of what God's doing in our church. Now this morning we're going to deal with a subject that I know a bunch of us deal with. Okay, We're in the middle of a sermon series called Take This Job and Love It. And uh, it's great teaching and so forth. But this morning, I can tell you right up front, I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to anyone else. I'm I'm talking to all of us who have the tendency to work too much. Is there anybody here with that tendency? Yes, okay. In fact, I almost called this sermon Confessions of a Workaholic. And it's ironic, it's terribly ironic. But the truth is, I wrote this sermon on my day off. (laughs) Is there something wrong with that? There is. So when I tell you that um, the teaching today and and what I'm talking about, what we're learning from God's Word, is, is maybe as, maybe even more applicable in my life. Tell you a little bit more about my backstory. I, um, all of us are born with certain tendencies and weaknesses. We don't get to choose those. You may have been born with a, with a short temper and a short fuse, or you may have been born sort of angry and frustrated, or you may have been born... Like me, I was born lazy. I didn't get to choose that. God didn't give me a whole list and say, here, check off one or two of these. i got to give you one or two of these. I was just born that way. So I'm the last guy that I ever thought would struggle with the concept of working too much. Um, but, but nevertheless, that remains one of the biggest struggles in my life. And uh, so uh, that's what we're going to tackle from God's Word today. But uh, I would like to invite you to stand right now because I want to go into this time with prayer. It's a baptism service this morning. we got people here going to be baptized. Is that awesome? Yes, indeed it is. I believe we have people in our service this morning who are going to make the decision to accept Christ today. How cool is that? That also is an awesome thing. So let's go to God in prayer as we get started with all that. Father, we've just concluded a wonderful time of worship and music where we blessed you. We, we jump back 
2,000 years to that day, Jesus, when you rode into Jerusalem and the people put palm branches down and they sang Hosanna to the Son of David. And we're here singing that same song because the truth is still true. And this morning, as we've come, would you work in our lives for those who, are, who need to make that decision? You've been working in their life, and you're going to give them that message this morning. Today is the day that you decide to take your life and put it in, in, in God's life. Father, would you speak to those people in a powerful way this morning, that there would be people in our audience that would accept you today, and their lives would be forever changed And Lord, for those who are going to be baptized, those who know it and have come and they're ready and they're intentional about it, and those who don't even know it yet, but you're going to speak to them in the service and they're going to respond, they're going to step out and and their lives are going to be forever changed by burying the old person they used to be and by being raised in a whole newness of life, the life you have for them. And Lord, for those of us who struggle and work too much, and that's a struggle in our lives day after day, would you give us insight into what drives us to do that? But even more than that, would you begin to speak peace into our lives? And would you give us teaching about the great ecosystem of life that you have set up for us to live so we could take hold of the life you have for us? And Lord, would you put a blessing on those who have returned from Mexico. Thank you for taking them. Thank you for working in and through them. And thank you for bringing them back. God, we're your kids. We're here today in your house to learn from your word. Would you speak to us now through your word? We pray together in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Have a seat. And we are ready to jump right into the Bible. So let's take a look at our Bible text. And you can get out your teaching notes. For those of you who are brand new to new life, my name is Ron, um, and I'm going to be teaching us this morning from God's Word. If you have questions about anything I say or teach, I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. You can come and uh, ask me about that. Uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors on our staff. Uh, On the inside of your program, you'll find a half sheet of of teaching notes. You can pull that out. The other thing that, that I would encourage you to pull out is this long skinny card that says start here because there's a place at the end of the teaching where I'm going to have you get that get that out and and fill it out psalm chapter 127 here's what it says unless the lord builds a house the workers the work of the builders is wasted unless the lord protects a city guarding it with sentries will do no good it is useless For you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Interesting passage of scripture, but for you and I to get the full impact of that passage, we have to know something about the guy who wrote it. And the guy who wrote that passage Well, there are 150 psalms in the Bible, and this is the only one that was written by a guy by the name of Solomon. Now, Solomon was a king of ancient Israel, and he lived during what is called the Golden Age of Israel. And the reason it's called that 
is because Solomon did not measure gold in ounces like you and I do. He didn't measure it in pounds. He didn't even measure it in kilograms. Solomon measured gold in tons. That's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? When Solomon got a hold of his CPA periodically and said, give me a statement of the account, the account said, Master, you have this many tons of gold. Yeah. In fact, the golden age of Israel was was so opulent, the Bible says that silver became like dust in the streets. No one cared. So what does a king do who has everything? Well, the interesting thing about Solomon was, evidently, he was born with a bent toward workaholism. Because here's a king who has everything. He measures his wealth in tons of gold. And here's what Solomon said. He kept a journal and he wrote in the journal. And we have a condensed form of that journal in the Bible. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes. It was the musings and the thoughts and the conclusions that Solomon made about life. And here's what he wrote about his own life now that he had everything. He said, I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who lived in Jerusalem before me. I had everything a a man could desire. You know, as I read that passage, I realized that Solomon was probably the world's first multi-industry business mogul. Here's a guy who was king. He was raised in the house of a king. His dad was a king. So Solomon was raised in the palace. He had all kinds of money to begin with, but this guy that had all kinds of money on the inside, there was this sort of workaholic guy. So he just pours himself into his work and he starts out by making gardens and orchards. And he thinks, i got to do something with my life. And so he goes out and he plants an orchard and he has so much fun planting the orchard and designing it. And he's got an architect and they design it and all that stuff. And he hires workers and, and he's starting to turn a profit. And he thinks, man, if one orchard is fun, think about how much fun two would be. So he plants a second orchard and a third and a fourth. And then he realizes, I could do more than just fruit trees I could actually farm olives. So he starts planting olive groves. And of course, with olives comes olive presses and then all these olive curing things. And of course, there's multiple kinds of olives. So he's got this kind of an olive grove and that kind of an olive grove and this kind of an olive grove. And then he realizes, boy, you know, there's not enough water in this land that I own. So he says, I've got to make a dam. And so he starts building reservoirs and dams and all this stuff. And then he realizes, I could be a rancher. So I could get into livestock. And so he starts raising sheep and cattle and goats and maybe even camels where he's from. And he's, he, I mean, this guy, he, he's losing himself in his work. Now, what would drive him to do that? Well, the Bible does say he had 300 wives and 700 legalized mistresses. I might lose myself in my work too. 
That was some serious domestic pressure right there. But you know, for Solomon, it could have been even more than that. Because for Solomon, his work became his identity. It's who he was. It's what kept him awake at night. It's what got him up early in the morning. Sometimes it was on the worry side, and sometimes it was on the frustration side, and sometimes it was just on the vision side. But whatever it was, it caused him to stay up late at night. It got him up early in the morning. And even maybe more importantly than than using his work as an escape or finding his identity in his work, there's a little phrase in there that would lead us to believe that work was how Solomon kept score. You know why? Because if we go back and look at that, he said, I also own large herds and flocks. What's the next word? More. That's a score word. You understand? There was something going on in Solomon's mind where he was subconsciously keeping score. And he wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, when the tally was all done, who had the most? Him. More. Whatever it was that drove Solomon, it drove him day and night. Now just a few verses later, Solomon steps back and he looks at everything he's done. Because Solomon thinks that, my goodness, I've poured myself into my work. I'm a king, I wouldn't have to work, but I poured myself into my work and I've done all this stuff. And I mean, I've got groves and I've got fruit trees and I've got orchards and I've got cattle and I've got sheep and I've got goats and I've got dams and reservoirs and lakes and ponds and streams and all this kind of stuff. This is going to feel really good. Take a look at what he sees when he steps back. Here it is. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so... What's the next word? Ah. Does your heart go out to Solomon? My heart goes out to him. He's looking at it all. He goes, it's worthless. It's like chasing after the wind. When I read that passage, I always think of a dog that chases its tail. What would it do if it caught it? It's nothing. Just a tail. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Friends, can I tell you, if you just wanted to ride out beside that empty, would that work? He's just empty. Now, i got to tell you, what Solomon is saying to you and me is that there's a way that you can live and do all good things. Was Solomon involved in sin and a bunch of nasty stuff? No, that was all good stuff. There's a way that you can live and there's a way that I can live and you can work hard and be a decent person and you can do good things with your life. But at the end, the net result is zero. Now, I want to tell you that no father would ever wish for his children a life that ended in net zero. Am I right about that? No one. In this church, we're continually talking about taking hold of the life that God has for us. And I just want you to know right up front that God never has designed for you a life that ends in a net zero. So what's the answer? 
Well, let's go back and reread our text out of Psalm 27. This psalm that Solomon wrote, because there's some great insights in this psalm that Solomon gives us as he writes it toward the end of his life. Okay? He says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Does that have new meaning now? Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late, late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are from the Lord. They're a gift. They're a reward from him. I'm not going to comment on it anymore in terms of that last phrase about children, but I believe Solomon put that in this passage. It seems sort of unrelated, doesn't it? But it's actually not. Because I think in reflecting on his life, Solomon realized that who had he cheated most by working so hard? It was his kids. And if you study his family, you'll know that's true. Okay? Now let's go back and circle some words and get some takeaways. Okay? Um, first words we need to circle are all the bad ones in the passage. So we're going to circle the words uh, wasted. We're going to circle the, the phrase do no good. And we're going to circle the word useless. You know the amazing thing about this is that what Solomon was saying to us is this, that, that life has to be, I'm sorry, greater than work. Life always has to be more than work. That's the first big takeaway. And when life equals work, you can write this down in your margin, when life equals work, when they become synonymous, when, when virtually all of your life is wrapped up in your work and your employment, even if you're not climbing the corporate ladder, even if you're just working where you are, but you're thinking, I can work two jobs, and if I work at two jobs, I can provide a better living for my family. Or if I work at two jobs, if I lose one, at least I have the other. There are multiple reasons why people might work too much but if that's who you are, what, what Solomon is saying to you, when life equals work, the net result is zero. It's emptiness. And when it's all said and done, and you step back and you survey your life, you will actually say to yourself, though I did lots of great things, and if you're fortunate and blessed, and though I amassed a large fortune, it just seems hollow. Somehow, I missed it. Because the first takeaway is life is more than work. Now let's go back and circle uh, a couple of uh, another word, and that is in the middle of of that teaching in Psalm chapter uh, 127, there's a, there's a phrase that says that God gives rest. If you'll circle the word anxiously, okay? 
Sometimes that anxiety is worry. Sometimes that anxiety is, is vision for new ideas and new opportunities. But whatever it is, the engine on the inside is still going. You got it? You know, for, for those of us who work too much, we can be with our families but not with our families. You know what I'm talking about? We can be on vacation and relaxing, but what we're relaxing is we're doing something. We're not relaxing. We can't relax. That's wasted time. That's downtime. So even when we're on vacation, we got a list. And we got a schedule. And we got people to see and places to go and things to do. Am I speaking anybody's language? I am. I know. Yeah. That's that anxiousness where the motor never turns off. Now, here's what Solomon says. If you could connect these three words God gives rest to his loved ones. Can I tell you, there is no rest like the rest God gives. None. You can take sleeping pills. You can take painkillers, you know, so that your old body doesn't ache as bad when you lay down. You can do whatever you want to do. But there is no rest like the rest that God gives. You get the idea from reading what Solomon writes that he might not have rested very well? Yeah. But he's looking back going, you know something? I'm realizing that God gives rest to his loved ones. And that's what we all really want in life. So takeaway number one is that life is more than work. Takeaway number two is that God gives rest to his loved ones. If you want to love your job, learn how to experience God's rest even while you do your job. And at the end of the day, when your job is done, at least for that day, learn how to make your life more than work. Now let's go back to our passage and let's circle uh, four more words. In that passage... He mentions the word Lord three times. Find all three times and circle the word Lord three times. And then one time in the passage, he uses the word God. Circle the word God. Because this is where the real power of this teaching lies. Both of these are really important. But if I had to write a third sort of statement up here, it would be the mathematical formula that life equals God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you have a diagram on your notes that has no labels on it. We're going to put the labels on that diagram, but I want to talk to you about an ecosystem. God has designed the entire world around ecosystems, and, and we often think of ecosystems in, in the sense of, of being green and all that stuff, which is really good and really true. But the idea of an ecosystem, an ecosystem is simply a system of economy. 
In other words, it's a system of interrelated factors that either thrive, struggle, or they crash. And we recognize that all the ecosystems in the world have to have a balance about them because the moment they get out of balance, the ecosystem begins to stress and strain and struggle. And if it's out of balance bad enough or long enough, it becomes destructive and eventually it it dies. I I want you to hear me clearly. The biggest, most important ecosystem in the entire world. You know what it is? It's the ecosystem of God's family. It is why He designed all the other ecosystems. He designed them around the ecosystem of His family. And when we're talking about the life that God has for you and the life that God has for me, there's an ecosystem to it. And he lays it out very clearly at the beginning of the Bible. When when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them three basic instructions about life. And they are the three basic instructions about the ecosystem of God's family. And the first thing he said was, I want you to multiply Okay. In other words, I want you to have kids. So the first value in this ecosystem of life is, is the value of family. God said, I want you to have kids. I want you to build a family. I want your kids to have kids. I want you to enjoy your grandkids. I want your kids' kids to have kids. I want you, if you live long enough, to enjoy your great-grandchildren. I want you to build and nurture and grow and train and develop a family. And God says, that's so important. I want that to occupy a third of your life. That's huge. Friends, that's why the drive for families is so big in all of us. God put it there. It's part of the basic ecosystem of our life. Okay? Second thing God said was this. I put you in the garden on purpose. I have a job for you to do. I made you a worker. First, I made you a family person, but I also made you a worker. God could have made the garden where it tended itself. God could do anything. But God created the garden, and it would need tending because Adam and Eve needed something to do, and they got up every morning. Besides, look at each other and go, man, do I love you and the kids. (laughs) You know, we got something to do. So God said, I'm putting you in a garden... And you're going to tend the garden and you're going to, and you're going to pick the fruit and you're going to process the fruit and you're going to do all the stuff that you're going to do in order to eat because I made you to be a worker. And, and if you don't work, you're not going to enjoy life. It's part of the ecosystem of life. And God said, I made you one other thing. He said, this was multiply. This was tend the garden, and this is the explorer part. God said, I want you to rule over the earth. And the principal idea in that rule is to explore. Take dominion of. 
Learn how it works. Study it. Figure out how it works. Figure out how you work. Figure out what makes the world work. Figure out why the mountains are mountains. Figure out why the valleys are valleys. Figure out why water is what it is. I want you to take dominion of the earth to rule and to reign over it. I want you to be an explorer. And those are the three basic components of the ecosystem of the life God created for you and me. Now, think about it with me for a minute. If one of these takes over the territory of the other two, what happens to the ecosystem? Crashes, doesn't it? Yeah. And I won't take time to play that out, but if any one of those takes over the other two or dominates the other two, the ecosystem is in jeopardy, and if it stays that way long enough... It becomes destructive. Has workaholism ever destroyed any families? What do you think? Yeah, it becomes destructive. And if it stays destructive long enough, it crashes. So what's the big circle? Because here's what God said. You can do all three of these But if you do them without me, they crash. No matter how well you do. Because life was always designed to be a shared experience between God and his family. So you take that wonderful ecosystem of life and you place it in God and it thrives. Everybody on board with that? That is how life is supposed to work. That is the life that God has for us. That's the life that He calls us to. And that's when life works and works well and families thrive and employment thrives. And the world is a great place because it's filled with all of these wonderful people who are getting it. And to whatever degree we depart from that, We lessen life and we add stress. And we could end up like Solomon, who at the end of his life, did he feel full of this or empty? He felt empty because in all of Solomon's writings, Solomon never writes about his wives, although he had 300 of them. And he never writes about his children, although he had hundreds of them, and he never writes about his grandchildren because his work was his life. And in the end, by his own admission, it was nothing. So now I have a wonderful, I have two wonderful invitations to give us today for how we can apply this. So take out your this card that says start here. And let's put our name on the front of it. And if you're brand new to New Life, please trust us with your contact information. We want to help you get connected with God. But if we can't get connected to you, we can't, we can't do that. So if you're new to New Life, put your contact information in there. If you've been around New Life a long time and your contact information has changed, please give us your updated contact information so we can continue to walk in partnership with you. Then on the back side, there are two ways that we can apply this. And the first one is this. We can choose today 
to become a Christian. We can choose today to take this ecosystem of our life and recognize that it rightfully belongs inside of God because life equals God. That's the deal. Always been that way, always will be that way. And so I prayed for us this morning. I prayed, you heard me pray. That some of us this morning, God's been working in our lives, either through what I've said this morning or maybe he was working in your life long before you came this morning. But you know, and friends, can I say this? There'll never be a better time for you to take your life and put it in God's. Never. There's never a better time. There's never a more convenient time. Today is the day that you do that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. That invitation is wide open. It's always open in this church and it's open today. And I'm going to give you a chance to pray uh, and make that choice. The second invitation is to ask yourself daily what I'm calling the the ecosystem of life questions. Are you ready? You can write them down. They're pretty easy. When you get up in the morning, one of the things that will help you walk in balance is to ask yourself this question. What am I going to do today to nurture the family person in me? What am I doing today that nurtures that family person in me? And, and it can't be, well, I'm putting food on the table. Okay? I think you're smart enough to figure out that's not going to nurture the family person in you. Okay? Question number two. What am I going to do today to nurture the worker in me? Question number three. What am I going to do today to nurture the explorer in me? And friends, if you and I will make an intentional investment each day. By the way, I'm pretty excited about asking myself those questions and and walking that out. Because I think that's going to make, I know it's going to make a difference in my life. What am I going to do today to nurture the explorer in me? And whatever that is, Move it to the top of the priority list, up there with the family person and up there with the worker. Let's pray together. Father, right now, I pray for my friends who are making the decision to become a Christian right now. God, would you tug on their hearts? Would you just pull on them? Would you give them a message loud and clear? that you've been working in their life, and that today is the day they make that decision and say, hey, I'm with God for the rest of my life. I don't care if anybody goes with me. I don't care who knows. I don't care what they say. I'm with God the rest of my life, and I'm taking my life, and and I'm giving it to Him. And I'm going to listen to Him and follow His instructions. God, would you give them grace to make that decision today? Call them to this life that's in God through Jesus. And then, Lord, would you be with the rest of us that we could um, have the courage and the discipline to daily ask ourselves these questions so that we could flourish in you. And at the end of our life, instead of surveying it and saying it's all useless, we can step back and survey it and say, look what God did through me. I'm so blessed to have lived, and so thrilled about the life that is to come. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at 
newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.